I'm back after being off for a little while, and let me tell you, it's good to be back. Today, we're starting a brand new series, one I think you'll find interesting. I've called it By the Numbers. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. In the coming episodes, I want to explore with you various numbers that occur in the Bible that have special meaning and significance. But before we look at any one specific number, today I'd like to talk about numbers in general, where they came from, what they are and represent, and especially what they tell us about the God who created the universe. So, what's the definition of a number? Wikipedia defines a number as an arithmetical value. Arithmetical is related to the word arithmetic. An arithmetical value expressed by a word, symbol, or figure representing a particular quantity used in counting, making calculations, showing order in a series, or for identification. Now, to me, numbers in and of themselves seem to be pretty simplistic. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But in reality, numbers are quite complex. In fact, numbers are the building blocks of mathematics. And mathematics is the building block of science, nature, technology, and really of everything in the universe. Now, even if you're not a big fan of mathematics, stick with me. I've got some fascinating things to share with you today. So, where did numbers come from? Well, the answer to that depends on one's perspective of how this universe came into being. To the humanist and the evolutionist, numbers and mathematics are the creation of the human mind to bring order to the assumed chaos of the universe. On the other hand, to those who believe the Bible's account of God's creation of the universe, numbers and mathematics reveal the Creator Himself and his established order in the universe, not chaos. And it's an order that has existed from the very beginning of time. I don't think it would be a surprise to you if I told you that I'm in the latter category, with those who believe that numbers were part of God's creation and that numbers reveal the Creator himself. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about the creation of the universe in six days. Ah, six. That's a number. On the first day, there's another number. God created light and separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Already by the third verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, we learn that God created the concept of numbers. Now, here's an example of numbers reflecting the Creator. The God of the Bible is eternal, 
no beginning and no end. The very first verse of the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before there ever was a universe, God was already in existence because God is eternal. He is infinite. The same is true of numbers. Let me illustrate. Start counting to yourself. One, two, three, four, five. Now keep counting. When does your counting end? The answer is never. Because numbers go on into infinity. And it works the same way with negative numbers. Minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four. Negative numbers also go on into infinity. Or think about this. Between any two numbers, how many sections or parts are there? For example, between the number one and the number two, how many individual parts are there? Well, you can divide a number into halves or quarters or eighths, sixteenths, thirty-seconds, sixty-fourths, and so on, into infinity. Numbers, which our Creator God created, reflect that He is eternal. A favorite Bible passage of mine that speaks to this is from Colossians chapter 1. For in Him, referring to the Son of God, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things were created by God, including numbers, and all things in this universe are held together by him. Although numbers were a part of God's creating activity, God didn't create universal symbols for the individual numbers. That is something people have done. And the symbols for the numbers are different depending upon the language of a particular group of people. You know how numbers are portrayed in English today, right? Just look at the keyboard of your laptop or the keypad on your phone. But I'm sure you're also familiar with how other languages and cultures have portrayed numbers. Take, for example, how the ancient Romans portrayed numbers. They're called Roman numerals. You know where the Roman numeral for 5 looks like a V and the Roman numeral for 10 looks like an X? One place Roman numerals are still used in our culture is in the National Football League. The NFL numbers every Super Bowl using Roman numerals. Roman numerals are also used in the names of monarchs and Roman Catholic popes. In the table of contents of manuscripts and books, you'll sometimes see Roman numerals used to outline the sections of the manuscript. Music theory also uses Roman numerals in its notation symbols. Other languages and cultures have other symbols to portray numbers. I mentioned in a previous podcast how numbers in the Old Testament Hebrew language align with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. For example, the number 1 is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Aleph. The number 2 is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Beth. In both the Chinese and Japanese languages, the number 1 is not a vertically oriented line as we have in English, 
but a horizontal symbol in the shape of a line. In the ancient Mayan and Aztec cultures, the number one was portrayed as a single dot. So, how the God-created numbers are portrayed is different depending on the language and culture of any given group of people. I said earlier that numbers are the building blocks of mathematics, and mathematics is the building blocks of science, nature, technology, and the universe. Now, you might not like math, maybe because you weren't very good at it in school. But know this. Mathematics reflects the qualities of God because God created mathematics. Let's start with the simplest of mathematical concepts, addition. One plus one equals two. It doesn't matter what the objects are. It could be apples. One apple plus one apple gives you two apples. It could be money. One dollar plus one dollar equals two dollars. Not only did God create numbers, he determined how numbers and mathematical concepts would operate. One plus one always equals two. But there are some who would say that one plus one doesn't always equal two. Take, for example, a drop of water. One drop of water added to another drop of water gives you not two drops of water, but just one bigger drop of water. Now, that's certainly true. But count the atoms in that one drop of water. When you add another drop of water to it, the number of atoms doubles. One plus one equals two. Or think of adding one cup of milk to a second cup of milk. Although they combine into one liquid mass, there are still two cups of milk. One plus one always equals two. Addition is a way of expressing the laws that God created. Now, this is going to be a bit of a detour, but I find it interesting. It addresses what happens when humans deny what God has created. Have you ever heard people talk about the concept of 2 plus 2 equals 5? It's a concept that's been around for centuries. This mathematically incorrect phrase is best known in English for its use in George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984. But that wasn't the first time Orwell referred to it. Ten years earlier, he wrote about the idea of 2 plus 2 equals 5 in reference to Nazi propaganda in Germany. Nazi propaganda denied the existence of truth. Sound familiar? Truth instead was what the Nazi leaders said it was. If the Nazi leaders claimed that something didn't happen in the past, then it never happened. And when the masses, the majority, bought into the lie, the lie became the truth. Orwell then surmised that if the Nazi leaders had said 2 plus 2 equals 5, and the majority of people believed it, then it must be true even though it is a totally false statement. 2 plus 2 equals 5 contradicts the laws of numbers created by God. Orwell found this kind of propaganda to be even more frightening than the Nazi bombs. To say that 2 plus 2 equals 5 replaces God's truth with human lies.
For our second example for mathematics, let's look at one of the most complex of math concepts, the number known as pi. The number pi, spelled P-I, not P-I-E, is approximately equal to 3.14159. However, it's an infinite number. Pi is defined as the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter. No matter how large or small the circle, the relationship between the circumference and diameter is constant. It never changes. Pi has many applications in mathematics and physics, such as discovering the volume or surface areas of spheres and cylinders. Ancient civilizations like the Egyptians and the Babylonians were among the first to recognize the number pi. Scientists believe the great Egyptian pyramids were constructed using pi. Pi is a number that reflects the quality of God. Like God, it is infinite. And pi shows up throughout God's creation. It's a way of demonstrating the laws of numbers that were created by God. Next, next let's uh, take a look at a few examples of how numbers and mathematics are revealed in nature. Have you ever stopped to look around and notice all of the amazing patterns and shapes that we see in nature? Numbers and mathematics form the building blocks of God's created world that are often quite stunning. Have you ever heard of the Fibonacci sequence? It's named for the Italian mathematician Leonardo Fibonacci, who lived around 1200 AD. He discovered a number sequence that is both simple and yet profound. Although Fibonacci gets the credit for this sequence, it is our creator God who imagined it first and designed it into his creation. The sequence begins with the numbers 1 and 1. And then each subsequent number is found by adding the two previous numbers. So, 1 plus 1 equals 2. The next number is 1 plus 2 equals 3. And then 2 plus 3 equals 5, and so on. By the way, when Fibonacci lived, Europe was still using Roman numerals. It was Fibonacci who convinced leaders to move away from the Roman numerals and adopt the Hindu-Arabic number system which is what we use today. Thank you, Fibonacci. But what's most remarkable about the Fibonacci sequence is that it often occurs in nature in what is known as the Fibonacci spiral. Again, Fibonacci gets the credit, but it was something our creator God designed in the plants and animals he created. You know what? We're not going to call it the Fibonacci sequence or spiral. We're going to call it the creator sequence and the creator spiral. What do you think about that? Many flowers in our world offer a beautiful display of this spiral. A daisy has a central core consisting of tiny little flowers arranged in opposing spirals. There are usually 21 going to the left and 34 to the right. A mountain aster flower is another example of this spiral. It has 13 spirals to the left and 21 to the right. 
But do you know what has the most spectacular flower there is which God designed this spiral? It's the sunflower. They typically have 55 spirals one way and 89 in the opposing spiral. And in some varieties, the number rises to 89 and 144. Amazing. In order for this spiral to be observed in a sunflower, the seeds of the sunflower must be arranged at a specific angle, namely 137.5 degrees. This is called the golden angle. If the seeds were even a tenth of a degree off from 137.5, the spirals would disappear. What amazing detail from the Creator. Other examples of spirals in creation are seashells, whorls, hurricanes, the structure of our DNA, and something as simple as a pine cone. And one of my favorite examples, pineapples. For me, the pineapple is really interesting. The surface of the pineapple is comprised of fruitlets in the shape of hexagons. The hexagons are arranged with eight parallel rows spiraling gradually, 13 parallel rows spiraling at a medium slope, and 21 rows spiraling at a steep slope. It's amazing. Check it out the next time you're at the grocery store and you thought pineapples were just good for eating. But there's more. Do you know in nature what a fractal is? It's another intriguing mathematical shape. A fractal is a repeating shape with the same basic shape seen again and again in the shape itself. Now, did that make sense? Let me, let me give you an example. A fern is a fractal. Whether you look at an individual leaf or an individual branch or the entire fern, they each have the same shape. Other fractals in nature include branches of trees, rivers, coastlines, ice crystals, and snowflakes. I mentioned pine cones and pineapples. They not only have the spiral sequence, they are also fractals. And here's three more examples from God's creation that have both the spiral and our fractals. First, there is the chambered nautilus shell. And then there are a variety of cacti, plural for cactus, that have both. And get this, Romanesco broccoli. Imagine that. Broccoli that is both a spiral and a fractal. Broccoli. Do a web search on these creations of God and marvel at what God has created. Another mathematical concept in nature is hexagons, six-sided shapes. I've already mentioned the pineapple having hexagonal florets. But you know, the, probably the most familiar of all the hexagons can be found in a beehive. We call it the honeycomb. And there are other stinging insects like wasps, that also build their nests utilizing hexagons. Here's one for you. How about bubbles that form in water? What shape are they? I bet you're thinking circles or spheres. That's what they appear to be. 
But what happens when bubbles get pushed tightly together up against each other on the surface of water? They take the shape of hexagons. There are many other examples of the geometrical hexagon shape in nature. For example, many insects have compound eyes that are packed hexagonally. For example, scientists say that the compound eye of a dragonfly contains 30,000 hexagonal facets. Isn't that amazing? An insect so small having such complex vision. Another common geometric shape in nature is a set of concentric circles. Concentric circles all share the same center, but have different radii. All of the circles are different in size, one inside the other, or I guess you could say one outside the other. Or, can you think of any concentric circles in God's creation? One example is that of the rings of trees that form as the tree grows in ages. Another example is the ripples in a quiet pond when you toss the stone into the water. I live in Wisconsin, and we have something else that creates concentric circles. It's pretty amazing. It's called the orb spider. Their webs are almost perfect concentric circles. How does a spider know to create a web that honors the creator? Or how about an onion? The onion layers aren't concentric circles, but rather concentric spheres. So the next time you're peeling an onion, just pause a moment to contemplate how God used mathematics to create everything that exists. And keep in mind that numbers and mathematics aren't just limited to planet Earth. Look up into outer space. The shape of the Milky Way is a Fibonacci, I, I mean creator spiral. God designed the Milky Way with the same sequence and spiral that he created elsewhere in nature. And consider the planets in our solar system. The planets all orbit the sun on paths that are concentric. With our powerful telescopes and satellites, we can observe also the concentric circles in the rings of the planet Saturn. There's one more example I want to share with you that is, as far as astronomers know, is unique to the Earth, our moon and the sun. Every 18 months or so on average, there is a total solar eclipse. How is it that there can be a total eclipse of the sun when the moon is so much smaller than the sun? From what I've researched, the moon is approximately 400 times smaller than the sun, and the sun is approximately 400 times further away from the earth than the moon. God created this unique symmetry between the moon's size and the sun's distance that allows us to witness solar eclipses. I can't explain it, other than to say that our God intentionally created it this way. This symmetry also reveals his power and glory. If we take time to observe God's creation, we'll find example after example of how God created this world using numbers and mathematics. Numbers are important to God. And we didn't even touch on technology, on how ones and zeros 
are the building blocks of all things digital. We could say a whole lot more about that. But let me leave you with some takeaways that give us a glimpse into the mind of God. The number pi, 3.14159, a number that is infinite and has so many applications in our world and universe, reminds us of our infinite, eternal God. The Creator's number sequence and the Creator's spiral, sorry, Fibonacci, they reveal the absolute beauty of God's creation. The sunflower, for example, reveals the mathematical mind of God. Thirdly, God demonstrates his truth and unity in creating mathematical concepts that never change. Two plus two always equals four. And that is true no matter where you live in the world, no matter your cultural background, no matter the language you speak, no matter your race or the color of your skin or your economic status, two plus two always equals four because that is the way God created it to be. Finally, numbers and mathematics never originated in the minds of men or women. They were created from the mind of God. Human mathematicians, scientists, and scholars have only discovered what God had already created. Numbers. They're one of the threads we discover in the Bible. Today we looked at numbers from the perspective of God's creation. In the rest of this series, we'll explore various numbers in the Bible, along with their God-given meaning and significance. If you have any thoughts or questions about this podcast today, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're looking for other video, audio, or print content to help you grow in your knowledge of God and deepen your relationship with Him, check out what we have to offer at timeofgrace.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.